Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. On this episode, we actually get to talk about a road win. It's been over a year since we've had a chance to do that, so I'm super excited. Uh, Gar, how you doing, man? Are you excited to get stuck into the topic of us actually getting some a, a three-pointer on the road? Very much so, and it, it reminds me, actually, when you when you said that, it reminded me of the twenty the twenty nineteen season and the first road win come in, I believe, in our last away game that season, wasn't it? And that was also at York because yeah. it was that that what did Kodai score an absolute? Yeah, I think he did like, actually. Yeah, he scored like a twenty yarder, didn't he? Like wrong foot, top corner. Yeah, and that was yeah. So pretty good memories from that stadium. Actually, I feel like we do actually know also didn't get, pretty didn't bad get, memories. Didn't we get hammered like six two yeah. or something there? So, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we the, did. Mi- a mixed bag, a mixed bag in the capital. <laughs> that, but that was after <laughs> we played about ninety five away games in two weeks, though, wasn't it? That is, that is very very true. But yeah, I, I must say, um, it was kind of nice uh, to actually experience experience in a way in a way win. I was I was pretty chuffed. Um, I I did have just a piece of housekeeping before we started uh somebody had told me to tell you that in portuguese which is what's spoken in brazil uh they kind of pronounce the j so it's not yao morelli it's joe like or shao morelli <laughs> so, so yeah so somebody was uh a little bit upset or i wouldn't say upset but just taking the piss out of you for mispronouncing his name so so i mean i mean for, for all of for all of our strengths as as podcasters and i think pronouncing foreign players names is not one of it's, them. it's 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 definitely not uh like i, I struggle with like orange <laughs> people's names so don't worry about like brazilian ones but uh yeah so i, I was just i just thought i'd bring that up to you just so you like you know in future so in case when you oh. on the street and says hey you he's only played here for Four years. How long has he been here? Two years, three years? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I, w- I would personally like to apologize to all our Brazilian yep. and Portuguese listeners. Um, so I don't pronounce a J. I just go like, I do pronounce a J. That's a J, yeah. So I was like, Zhao. Like, that's the way I say it, like Zhao Morelli. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure my my pronunciation is terrible. Like, there's, a, there's probably a way. We'll, we'll, we'll actually get, a, yeah. we'll have to get a soundboy from the man himself to like teach Gary and Anthony how to say his name properly, which is, Absolutely scandalous. I, I, but, I think I'm over. I think I'm like overcompensating when I say his name because I start to say it and my brain goes, "Oh, you probably need to say this differently from how it's written down." Wow. And so my brain just, <laughs> uh, yeah, my brain just goes, wow. Let, "Let's take away that J and just go ow." <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. So I, if anybody wants to teach me and Gary, as I said, we could get, probably get the man himself to to teach us. Um, the disrespect he gets on the show from from you, Gary, is ridiculous. <laughs> I already think I'm in the bad books for saying I don't think he'd come back. So uh, 
used, used to like myself on Twitter, mate. Cobwebs since <laughs> unfollowed, <laughs> unfollowed. Yeah, <laughs> slide into a DM to call me a twat. <laughs> he did not do that, just for the record. No, but uh, you probably slid the feedback into his. is welcome. Yeah, you probably slid into his and were like, "You're my hero." Um, <laughs> Joe, do you want to be mates again? Yo, yo. <laughs> I'm sorry for what I said. <laughs> So uh, obviously the show, uh, as we've said the last couple of weeks, is sponsored by our good friends at uh, Molson Coors. Oh, that uh, was a somber tone you just switched. I know, I know. Uh, I'm I'm actually trying to read. I'm actually trying to read this. But I, I I I don't actually think I've actually had this one before. Um, but I know that a lot of people in the city drink it. It's uh, Blue Moon. I'm sure you've had it. It sounds like so. I have not. No, no. no. Oh. So this is a Belgian white, a Belgian style wheat ale. Oh yeah, I recognize that can actually. Yeah. So is, is it just like Stella? Like uh, I don't know what's a Belgian style. Anyway, uh, let's give no, it... the Belgian style ones have got like um a bananary clovey sort of. Oh shit! I don't think I like that. No, hey. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Very. No, I only know that because I bought the propeller. The, oh. I know we shouldn't mention other companies. The propeller wheat beer, and on the back of it, it said banana and clove notes. I, I actually, so, I actually think this one has a citrus note to it because whenever you, uh. Whenever you boil it, they put like a, a slice of orange in or something. Anyway, here we go. That sounds a little bit better than... Yeah, hopefully the mic picked that up. Yeah. Not bad, actually. It does <laughs> definitely have some citrus notes. Any any banana, clovey sort of notes? <laughs> no cloves, no. no bananas, but definitely no. uh, a citrus note. That's actually pretty decent. Yeah, it's nice. You know what it needs? I, I did not know that was Molson Coors that made that, so that's good. Um, do you know what this needs? Slice of orange, Coke. slice of orange, yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely make it for me, to be honest. Let's yeah, try and yeah. ra- ram it into the, the lid of the can. If you've not got any oranges downstairs, you can just <laughs> pull a segment of way off. And no, but I do have in. bananas, so maybe I could just like put a banana just in there, mush, <laughs> stab a banana into <laughs> the, and just mush it down into it, <laughs> swill it about. Oh, fuck. all right, <laughs> let's let's actually start talking about some football. Uh, so we have a ton of uh, listener. I, I put out the, I guess a lot of people were super excited about this one. So we have a lot of uh, listener comments and questions to get through. But first of all, um, I, I just kind of wanted to just talk a little bit about um, like the, the start. Like, you know, I kind of, we kind of talked like last week and I kind of made the point that we seem to be very slow starting off away from home. I think this is the first time where we actually look like we are playing at home. So, do you think that's because of where we were playing? And like, there's like, there was a lot of like, it looked like there's quite a few Halifax fans there. You think that, that had anything to do with it? I think it's more. I mean, we we talked about this last week, and I said then I, I felt really really strongly that, that this would be the first away win, and that was for a number of reasons, primarily because the away games in Hamilton and York are not really that far compared to other away games that we have. And also that we had a week of training going into it, which is, which, which we don't always have going into an away game and they can travel down the day before. So it's kind of their sleep's not really that disrupted. They don't have like five or six hours on a plane in their legs. And all of that just adds up to kind of physically in a condition where you can just start, really well start brightly your legs are there you don't have to spend like 20 30 minutes finding your legs which i which i really feel like we are doing in a lot of away games where like i said been on a plane for six hours 
the blood isn't quite flowing right. And so it does take some time. But yeah, for this game and and hopefully against Forge in a few weeks as well, because the distances aren't so large, because we do have a week of preparation, we should hit the ground running. And and also we're playing we're playing like a team that's full of confidence at the moment. Like we've got to the point in the development of the team now where everyone knows their jobs incredibly well. And when you get to that point, even if even if your legs aren't quite there, if you know exactly where you've got to stand, exactly what the triggers are, exactly what your role is, and if you're kind of you're working on autopilot almost, because like if if they're like drilling this stuff throughout the week repeatedly. By the time you get to the weekend, it should be, it should just be automatic. You don't really have to think about what you're doing. So, so yeah, all of that just adds up to to helping us have a pretty good start. Yeah, I like. I think it was the, the the day before they had a training session and they'd invited. I think I saw a picture of like Ryan Robinson at the training session, and I think so they invited like some of the 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 Vaughn players to, to to come along or something like that. And I just think that's part of it like feeling like it's kind of like a home thing where you know you're getting to see a lot of familiar faces obviously like most of their families like most of the guys are from ontario toronto uh, area kind of thing so i think that's part of it too is that you know you kind of make feel about home when you see some friendly faces in the in the stands or beforehand so yeah i i just couldn't believe how well we started and like from the get-go like we were just we were just on it like our passing was crisp just the chances that we created in in this game were really high quality too. It wasn't just like scrappy stuff, and I, we definitely should have won it by quite a lot more. So, do you think that we're finally starting to see like an identity now being built? You know, is that like where you think that we where we are? Like we we kind of we have a style, and like uh, it's like what do you think that uh, identity is? Yeah, I mean, we're we're a really good football team. Is kind of I, I mean that's not an identity but that is a truth about us now we're a really really good football team in terms of identity we, we're a team that likes to retain the ball we're a team that likes to find players between the lines in pockets we're a team that likes to win the ball back very very quickly after we've lost it we like to press in clusters we're a team that builds in a three type two five we're a team that defends in a four four two um, we're a team that likes its centre-backs to progress the ball through the thirds. We're a team that likes our six to pick the ball up in that kind of middle pocket and play line-breaking passes. We're, uh, you could go on. Like There's so many there's so many characteristics of our team now that, that you recognise week in, week out. And if, if kind of like you were squinting and you couldn't see players' faces, you couldn't really see what colour they were wearing, you could just see a blob, you would know which team was was ours when we're watching a game now like and that is the biggest compliment you can give to the coaching staff that we are now able to do that there are so many kind of like familiar things idiosyncrasies that we have as a group that that like you know it's us in within five minutes and like I you kind of one thing I was thinking when I was watching the York game because we kept we kept somehow progressing the ball and people were receiving it in really dangerous areas with a lot of space and it kept happening. And I was like, how, how are we doing that? Like, how are we, how are we playing through them so easily? And I think, I think as much as the way we all watch the game is, and how we like kind of decide if a player's had a good game or not is our brains think about, okay, what did we see them do on the ball? How many passes did they complete? Like how many dangerous actions did they make? But if you think about it, and I, I looked this number up, like in an average game, 
a player has the ball for three minutes. So in 90 minutes, a player only has the ball for three minutes. Like Lorenzo is obviously the exception there. It's probably nearer to Four. 10 minutes for him. <laughs> oh yeah, fucking 89 minutes. Um, so a player only has the ball for three minutes out of 90. So nearly every single thing a player does is off the ball. Like, it's, and it's so weird that we judge a performance based on the tiniest kind of part of a player's game. But we're at the point now where our players are absolutely exceptional off the ball. Like, the, fir- the first players I noticed being exceptional off the ball were who- was whoever was playing as a 10, Callum Watson, Geraldo, whoever. Amazing, amazing off the ball players, pulling out wide, pulling out to the left, dragging players with them. And then you kind of start watching the other players and you start to see little triggers as well. Like I noticed a trigger, I've noticed it a few times, a trigger we have sometimes is like, like you know, you often see Lorenzo get the ball in the middle of the pitch and suddenly he drills a ball into Fernandez, who's overlapped into the right-hand corner. And suddenly he's like almost thrown goal already for a cutback. And the reason that happens so much is that, that it, we've got a trigger in place where sometimes if Lorenzo receives a ball in certain in certain moments, Aidan Daniels and Zach Fernandez will be standing quite close to each other. Aidan Daniels will quickly run towards Lorenzo like he's going to get the pass to feet. He'll drag that defender with him. And that's a trigger. Bam. Zach Fernandez runs in behind that defender into all of the space that's appeared. And you just know like that sort of stuff is getting drilled, drilled, drilled in training Monday to Friday. And you kind of saw it every now and then in the first few months of the season. But now the players really understand their roles within the system. It's like we're creating so many overloads like that. Like if you watch any of our players with the ball, always a triangle there's always a triangle like they've got a player ahead of them and to the left and right of them or left or to the left or right of them sorry there's always passing options players are so smart as well like kind of not being static when a player close to them receives a pass so even if there's even if they're they're standing in space they'll make a run in off the shoulder of whoever's closest to them into the space ahead of them so players are always moving because of the because of the repetitions, we kind of like know where our teammates are at all times. We know who our passing options are. Like, like I promise, if like if Dan Nimick gets the ball, he doesn't even really need to look up. He'll know Lorenzo is standing kind of in that defensive pocket. Kyle Loffrey is to his left. There's also a long diagonal onto Massimo Ferrin, who's hugging the left touch line. Like all of this stuff is just so evident every week and. Yeah, that's a, that's a long rambly answer to saying our identity is the fact that we're a really good football team. Yeah, I, I mean, like the it's kind of I've definitely noticed in the last few weeks, uh, like that the levels have kind of gone up. Like, I mean, like like Mo Omar has come into the like he's able to switch over Rampy. We didn't miss miss Rampy in this game at all. Like, you know what I mean? So we're able to have those kind of switches. But just watching even Mo Omar's play, like we're kind of. Uh, maybe I was just a little bit kind of critical of is like how sidewards he was uh, towards the beginning of the season and I think that's just a hangover maybe was was from like last year but some of the passes he was doing like I mean he was like rattling in passes into the into the midfield he's rattling in passes into the into the forwards and it's it just it, it confidence is an amazing thing and I, I think it's one of those things that even if we do drop points along the way like everybody knows like what where we are and what we're trying to achieve looks like we're able, like we're in the right direction. And I think that's a huge, a huge thing for Patrice and and, and Jordan and Jed and, uh, and yeah, Michael and all like that. 
like they've instilled this into them that don't panic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. I'm, and, I'm uh, glad you mentioned Moema actually because I thought he was, I thought he was, he was brilliant, really, really good. Um, and like, like what we've been doing this podcast together for like a year and a half now, I think, and. When I think of like the stuff we've talked about, there's two things that I've got massively, massively wrong since we've been doing it. The first one is that I didn't think Morelli would fit too well into a pre system, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But the other thing I remember, I used to always say that I thought Mo was more of a central defender than a central midfielder because I remember watching him last season and I felt like he, I felt like he couldn't play on like with his head on a swivel. I felt like if someone was behind him or someone was to the side of him on his blind side he he wasn't very good at protecting the ball with his body and but he's improved so much in that in that sense um and i i i will get to it later but he's a he's a shout for man of the match on on sunday i think his his defensive off the ball work was brilliant as well i also think it's uh you know who who would have thought like during the off season that he would be a voice captain like slash captain like when when Rampy wasn't available or not playing, I think that's also kind of like a genius thing that Patrice and uh, Patrice has done is that like you know to to instill the confidence into him is like listen like I've got so much faith in you that I'm willing to make you like our voice captain you know what I mean and I think it's mm-hmm. just little you talked before about. Like his man management, and obviously we don't get to see that much because we don't get to see training, like whatever. But it's just little things like that that I think really help players like to kind of come out of their shell a little bit. And I, I must say, like if there was a most improved player trophy uh, this year, um, alongside the biggest uh, shit house, uh, <laughs> it would definitely be Mo Almar. He's been he's been so good the last few games. And it's a lot of pressure because, you know, like obviously Rampy's there and Rampy's like a, a Wanderers legend and he's obviously chomping at the bit to, to be playing too. So I, I think that's probably a conversation that Patrice would probably need to have with the two of them to say, listen, like you're probably not going to play every game. We're probably going to rotate between the two years. And I think it's working really well. Like they seem to have a genuine respect for each other. Like you see it when uh, Rampy comes off and he like, I, I think it was like not this game, the game before, gave him the armband and it was like a genuine uh, feeling between them, so it's you know what's going to be interesting when when Lorenzo finally picks up his next yellow because he's like been walking the tightrope for weeks yeah. now. But when he finally picks up the next yellow and has to miss another game, it's going to be really interesting to see number one if we stick with a double pivot and play Rampy and Omar together as a double pivot, and if we do, which of those players will be kind of given the on the ball responsibility that Lorenzo has? Like, because kind of when when one of them plays with Lorenzo, Lorenzo's obviously the ball progressor, and the other one is kind of more the the enforcer, like charges into duels, defensive cover, that sort of stuff, that kind of like dirty work that goes unnoticed. But if it's just those two, like which one of them becomes the ball progressor and the one who you kind of give all that technical responsibility to? Does I like most people would probably say Rampy because he just seems to be a little bit better on the ball, but mm. I, you kind of wonder. Like it's yeah, it's he's, uh, he's got so many options now. Like in midfield, that uh, you never know like what, what they're gonna do. But as I kind of mentioned like last week, like like Lorenzo just doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to have to do those kind of crazy tackles to to stop uh, progressions from the other team because they haven't been happening. Like it's 
the the, the spine of the team um just seems so well disciplined that he doesn't seem to have to do those crazy tackles and I, I think that's why he hasn't been booked to be perfectly honest yeah, yeah, yeah. um so i like obviously like you're in the the middle of the the first half there, there was a, a pretty bad injury involved in um was it Jonathan Grant and um T.O. Hey, oh, yeah. Oh God, we're yeah. going to get pelters for the pronunciation of that now. No, it's Teo te- Kalam. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, I, I gave him a, a little message to say, hey man, hope you're doing okay. So he had a few staples put in and uh, he's he sh- very yeah. nice of you, Anne. I know. I am. A, I'm a nice guy. I am. Did, did you get a reply? Uh, I did. And he That's told nice. me that he's, he's had a few staples and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. then I sent him a picture of, uh, I don't know if you're a faulty Terrors fan, but um, I am, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you can see there. Do you remember when Basil yeah. banged his <laughs> <Yeah>. head? <laughs> he had the same sort of bandage, so I sent that to him too. So yeah, uh, just, right. if, if if like a 19 or every 21 year old French lad understands that reference, <laughs> then faulty towers. That's you know, how that's how you appeal to the younger generation. Yeah, yeah. Basil faulty guys. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'll be bringing out my only fills and horses references pretty soon. Oh, I've been watching that recently, but anyway, it's another conversation. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so I, I'm really glad he's uh, he's he's recovering, and obviously that then gave the the chance for uh, how would you pronounce the, his name again? Uh, is it Joey yeah. Joey Morelli? Joe Joey Morelli. There we go. We're gonna go with Joe 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 Morelli. <laughs> Joe Morelli. Come on, but you know it 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 really. Just watching him like now, like he's kind of back to himself, obviously, because like, he's turned back into it like a bit of a shit house, because that's what we all <laughs> knew and loved. And that's how you kind of know he's being back to himself. And he kind of mentioned afterwards that like he's not even thinking about the knee, which is a great thing, because there's a bit of a clash, I think, in the second half when him and uh, Nico Giansopoulos kind of had a little bit, he slid in for mm. the ball and kind of uh, he was kind of holding his knee a little bit. And I think there was a collective, you could hear it all over Halifax like <gasps> and then yeah. he was fine but I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on uh, I, like all joking aside like it, we kind of were debating on how he would actually fit into the team um, and how is he fitting into the team what's what's the role he's been given um, and um, how did you think he, he did in that role he's been asked to do yeah I mean when, when we thought he wasn't coming back I massively talked myself into the idea that oh it's okay he probably wouldn't have fit in anyway now I, I think I think yeah no we definitely talked about it on here some people have mentioned it to me yeah um and I'm like yeah I, I and my 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 reasoning for that was with Patrice it's all positional play I, I don't know how to Uego de position or whatever the fuck you however you say it so it's all positional play where players have roles and they're kind of they have strictly defined roles with kind of elements of creativity and independence and autonomy threaded throughout those roles but i was thinking like with someone like joao the way the way with 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 the football we played under stephen hart he was given so much freedom he could essentially do what he wanted and go where he wanted to go and i always felt like was the question I, i always had was was the reason he always looked so good for us because he was given so much freedom and kind of sometimes to the detriment of the team, he was given a free role without much defensive responsibility. So my, that, I had question marks about how he as a he as a player would adapt to playing under a coach who was far more 
demanding about what you do like to the like to the meter on the pitch like where you stand where you pick up the ball but hasn't been any issues whatsoever like he he and like kind of going back to the injury he moves in exactly the same way he moved before and I like it, the commentators made made like a comment during the game when he was kind of like played in and he didn't have the speed to like accelerate away from the defender and they kind of made a comment like oh you can see he's not quite 100% there yet but I was like he's he's never been able to do that no. that's not that's not who he is like he's not he's not old school brazilian ronaldo he's old school brazilian kaka yeah. that's who he is he's he's never been a sprinty player um so he's physically he's completely there like so no worries there at all in terms of role within the team again we talked about this before when we first announced that he was coming back and we we discussed we were like could he be a 10 for us could he be a striker could he be that kind of right winger that Aiden Daniels is who drifts centrally and I think in that conversation we kind of settled on the idea that him playing as a striker would probably be the best option and I remember saying on that it was because I wouldn't have thought that until I'd seen what we'd started to do with Massimo Ferrin and Massimo Ferrin playing as a striker but more of a false nine and once you see us try that you're like oh okay like I can you can kind of like it starts to crystallize then what what Morelli as a striker for us could look like and yeah he's he's he I thought he was really really good like he's so smart he's such a smart player like going back to off the ball stuff he's so smart at just kind of like drifting around and then he sees a pocket he sees a space to run into and then the next thing you know he's suddenly been past the ball and there's no one within like five yards of him and you're like, how the fuck did he do that? Because he was just like, <laughs> he was just like standing as a striker with two defenders on him. And then suddenly, like two seconds later, he's in yards of space. But he's so smart at like sniffing out where those spaces are. Something I don't think I ever realized he was that good at is also playing with his back to goal. Yes. Like he's really good at like receiving the ball with two defenders up his ass soft feet so he can like touch it the right way in front of him. Really good at like shaping his body to kind of block off block off his marker and then laying it off and spinning. Like I didn't know he had that because I was, I was kind of used to him seeing, seeing him like kind of picking the ball up in left half space and um, having, yeah. And moving forward with it, looking for a pass. So it's been so good to see him. Like, like I've, I've never been happier to be like wrong about something than, than the fact that he has taken to Patrice's system, like a duck to water. Yeah. I, I, that was one of my, one of the points I, I was actually like, uh, I'd, I'd written down was, um, like how good he was at his hold of play, and it's uh, uh, like it's not something that we, as you said, like ever associate with him. And his ability to bring others into the game too. There was a, a lovely little move in the first half, and it was when uh, Jordan had a had a freak attack on the sideline and got uh, got booked. Um, he, he held the ball up and like, he was had his back to the defender, and Massimo played into him. And he played like a lovely like little layoff to him, and then. Uh, Kevin Santos, like from York, like dragged Massimo back right in front of the referee. He didn't see it, whatever, blah blah blah. But it's like little things like that that you never kind of really remember. Like I always remember, like I always think of him as that guy with the ball as feet running towards people. Um, so yeah, he's it's definitely like nice to see that where he does fit in somewhere. Um, in, into the get into the into the system and like in terms of his goal. Like he's as you said, like he's so smart. Like it's such a it's such a, a an unsung skill. When he receives that ball from Callum Watson, it came into him like pretty fast. But he just knew instinctively 
what way to pass the ball to create the space for himself yeah. away from the defender. Like that's that's a that's a great skill, and it's it's not easy to teach people that kind of stuff. And it was just you know I, I watched it probably about four or five times now, like just admiring like obviously Callum's awareness to to get the ball and his instinct himself just to play a first time because a lot of people might have taken a touch there uh, mm. just to play a first time but like Joe's little touch taken away from Roger Thompson was impeccable to create that space I, himself I couldn't agree more and I'm so glad you mentioned that because I forgot to um yeah no that's the the thing I love about that first touch is Normally, when the ball's kind of rolling towards you in that position, instinctively, you want your first touch to take you towards the goal because that's where you want to be. You want to be near the goal. But his first touch kind of takes him away from goal. But what it also does is takes him away from the defender. So he, he like he had that ability to separate there because you really want to separate yourself away from the defender. And he also gives himself an angle where he's got kind of go back his, across his face the goal centrally. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So he can hit both sides. Whereas if he takes that first touch with his right foot into the space in front of him, that would bring the defender closer to him and it would also close off like the the right side of the goal, that angle as well. So, yeah, so smart. He's such a smart player. Yeah, I, I thought he had a really good game, but, but I, I I thought it was a... like, And it was a wonderful uh, interview that Christian Jack did with him afterwards when he was kind of like... Uh, <laughs> just sometimes when you're doing interviews or when you watch interviews, you can kind of tell... This is not a criticism of Christian Jack, by the way, because I thought it was a really good uh, interview. But but you can tell they're trying to get that emotion out of them. Like they want them yeah, to yeah. to do that. And he was like really pulling out the heartstrings mm. to get them to to kind of break down a little bit, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, it, it was it was such a heartfelt moment. And like you know, I, I thought Christian Jack did a great job in um, in getting that from him because sometimes it's difficult, right? But I, I just think it was a bit of a stretch giving them. The CPL Player of the Week, though I think there was even in this game, I think even on the Wanderers, I think there was players who uh, deserved it more. But hey, I guess they're just trying to play on the the smolts and whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it was a bit a bit of a stretch. <laughs> anyway, um, so obviously we talked about Jail's goal. We kind of have to talk about Zach Fernandez's goal. Like the, I I rewatched it there before we we, we came on and. The corner routine. This is not the first time we've seen these kind of corner routines, and like uh, this, it seems to be like something. I feel like Patrice is like probably likes basketball as well, like because it's all about like little plays like that. As soon as like the, the I think it was was it Aiden Daniels that took it, or maybe it was Lorenzo who passed it, Aiden Daniels who kind of laid it back out and whatever. It, it's so well structured. Some of these uh, these corner plays, and it's so different because all you're expecting is them just to lash it into the box for what a hit from Zach Fernandez. Jesus. Mm, I know that was, uh, that's obviously something they've worked on. And I, I promise you in, in the weeks leading up to this game, Zach Fernandez has hit that same shot from that same place 50 times. What 50 times a session. Uh, I bet they drew the absolute shit out of that. So, so like, I, yeah, I just wonder uh, how many windows and cars he's hit along the like I agree with you on like the basketball comment and I think as well like NFL because that's that's like the that's like the next marginal gain in 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 professional football I think is for teams to really think about set pieces like you see like in the top leagues now teams are starting to get set piece coaches but I think it's going to filter down. And I think, honestly, you'll get to the point where you run set pieces like in NFL, they'll run plays 
and and I think it's going to be that detailed to be honest um and I, I, rem- I remember watching the friendlies before the season started against the two Ottawa teams and all of our corners were short like we didn't play one corner which was just a cross into the box and you see that a lot now throughout the season a lot of corners we take are short there's a lot of routines involved um and our free kicks as well we, we use routines in our free kicks there's that one we've done a couple of times where there'll be two players standing over the ball they'll both run towards it and pretend that they're fucked up and like start to look at each other like what did you just do that for and then one of them will quickly like whip it in so that's obviously another one we've got but yeah i mean if you if you statistically if you look at the percentage chance of a of a corner being converted that's just like whipped into the box it's super low like we feel like it's an exciting moment that might give us a goal but teams are so good at defending zones and defending yep. corners that it doesn't happen so i love i love seeing us try stuff like that and the only time like it's quite funny is you know during home games the supporters get really excited when we've got corners and start doing the clap Clap, clap like, then it gets faster and faster and faster and you're like i'm watching that going oh fuck we're about to play a short corner here and people are gonna go <laughs> but I, w- I want us to play the short corner i want that to happen because you've got far more chance of scoring but like in terms of the crowd motivation it kills it a bit so, so they're not allowed to do short corner routines at home is what you're saying okay cool. no i love it i love the short corners. um just before we get into our uh our x uh comments and questions uh the red card at the end like mate what, mate honestly i totally bang out of order <clears> that to be honest like i i don't understand what it, i think the whistle had gone when he'd done it too hadn't it like i think there was like something had previously like just before or even if i hadn't it was just a fucking ridiculously stupid tackle to make and like it's in the 93rd minute you're down two nil it's not like you're gonna do anything in the game and you're just going out of your way to to hort an opponent basically that's all that was and yeah i mean I, I, honestly i i was annoyed when i first watched it and i thought i'd be over it by now but like the more i think about it and i watched it back for this like the angrier i get every single day like since that i'm like genuinely furious about it like so if if you kind of follow the sequence of events that leads up to that like about a minute before it happens morelli nutmegs him and Baldissimo leaves one in on him for nutmegging him. And the camera kind of pans to Morelli's face and he's just kind of looking up at Baldissimo, smiling like, well, what did you do that for? There was no need for that. About 30 seconds later, a ball is contested like in the air between Morelli and Baldissimo. And Baldissimo doesn't even look at the ball. He just kind of shoulder barges Morelli to the ground and elbows him in the ribs as he does it. So you know... And he gets a yellow card for it. So you're like, right, his head is completely gone. His team's losing 2-0. He's been, frankly, pretty shit all match. And yeah. Moretti's kind of not reacting angrily to him. Yeah, Moretti's completely in his head. And he's just like, the, the red mist is there. He's gone. 20 seconds later, Morelli gets the ball. And you see, like, Baldissimo, he's kind of stationary. And then he realises who's got it. And he realises it's Morelli who's got it. And he just like sprints, lunges, feet off the ground, studs him like ankle height. And if Morelli doesn't kind of jump out of the way of it, like 
he has a broken femur right now. 100% he has yep. a broken leg right now if he doesn't jump out of the way of that. And like this, and like Valdissimo, this is a player who had just got a yellow card. So if you if you've just got a yellow card as a footballer, you go, oh shit, okay, I've got to like calm it down now because I don't want to get sent off. I've like kind of got to play within myself a little bit. So there's no there's no one can convince me that was just a reckless challenge because you're not reckless if you've just had a yellow card. That is one hundred percent a player purposefully going out to hurt another player, all because Morelli didn't react to him when he lost his head a bit. So his his like fucking ego is so fucking fragile that because he feels a bit disrespected, he wants to actively go and break an opponent's leg. Like, honestly, mate, I'm so I'm so angry about it. Like, especially who it is as well, a player who's just missed 14 months of football. That's yeah, not on. Like, that's that's not on. And like, like, in football, kind of like when we kind of like, we have like this barometer of like the bad you can do on a pitch. Like, and I think people think of like something like spitting. Like if you ever spat at a fellow professional, that's kind of the lowest you can go. This is way lower than that because spitting on someone is gross, it's disgusting, it's incredibly impolite, but it's not going to fucking kill them, is it? But like actively trying to break an opponent's leg because you're not happy with them is like so beyond the pale. And like, I, I feel like it hasn't been talked about enough. Like it was mentioned post-match, but I feel like this should be like, like honestly... I feel like he should have a six match ban and a big fine. I genuinely feel that strongly about it because you don't do that. You don't go and try and break an opponent's leg. And like this isn't a league where players are paid millions and can just sit there and be fine about it because their insurance is going to pay out 15 million to them if their career's over. Like this is a league where if you do have a career ending injury, you have a fucking baby and a wife to support. And yeah. like he's he's gone into him and tried to Oh, I'm just, I'm so angry about it, honestly, mate. Yeah, the, the the good news is that um, the next guest on the show is actually Baldissimo, so we can please, talk. please joking, bring I'm him joking. on, mate. I can't wait till he comes to the ground. I can't <laughs> wait till he comes to the grounds. I'm oh, gonna, fuck. Oh. I hope that, yeah, I hope like, can throw us. Um, that shouldn't. Yeah. No, I hope no, no one throws a can on the pitch. Yeah, please, please do, do not do that. that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it's you know, as you said, somebody's just come back, and you know, like. Everybody knows like what Joe was like, you know what I mean? And it's like he has a history in York too. Like he got tell um I, I think Telford was actually at Ottawa's at the time. But he has a history of like winding people up. Even when he scored the goal, like he kind of like bumped into uh, I think it was Adekubi, like just to kind of like rub it in a little bit. And Adekubi had like a little bit of a push at him. Mm. So like he's he's just it's what he does, and you you know, like no matter how much of a wind up merchant you are. It doesn't give anybody the right to try and snap your leg in half. You know what I mean? Like it's just shitty, uncalled for. Maybe should have been more than a yellow card. It should have been a straight red kind of thing. But mm. hey, uh, it was it, it was a straight red. Oh, it was I thought it was a second yeah. yellow? Oh no, no ref straight away red okay. card out. Like ref was close to it, so saw how bad it was, and so I, he's got a three match ban. But it should be should be more. Yeah, opinion. Jesus. Okay, thanks for correcting me there. All right, man. So uh, if you're are you all ranted out there? Yeah, I think I've calmed okay, cool. down now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's get into some of these questions here. So, uh, blah 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 blah. The first um, the first question is from Chris Searle. Uh, congratulations on your yeah one hundred four uh, one hundred four brother Rhea, I think is is her name. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, expanding the um the, the fan base. Uh, congrats to uh to uh to Chris. Um, so he says, uh, curious to hear what you guys think. 
about the under 21 minute situation and what you yeah what you would do to get over the limit i think uh one of the big pieces of that is that we've signed aiden rushing us to the end of the season so we might see depending on how we're doing i think we might see um a change in goalkeeper for a couple of games so that'll rack up some decent minutes um what what do you think are do you think we're going to find these minutes yeah i mean what what's what's the punishment if you don't I think yeah, they can. Yeah. I think they can dock your points and stuff like that. Like but I think it's, it's not established how many points. No, even. I, I, okay. I, I, because I, I, I don't think because last year I think Ottawa were very close and they kind of scraped by at the last minute. Um, yeah. well, like this, and usually we're pretty good at, um, with, with the minutes, but this year, like, uh, and I think it's because it's so close, uh, for the last playoff spot that and uh, York have have usually like smash it out of the park and like they they're struggling too and i think it's just that because you kind of want to have um like your full team out if you know if, if you know what i mean like to we've we've i don't think no teams really i mean valor a bit this season actually and vancouver sorry but no team usually does this by having a collection of under 21s at play all the time like normally teams have one player who gets the majority yeah. of their minutes and like if you look at us last season Zach Fernandez basically got us over the line on his own basket, like contributed a bit. We we don't have anyone this season who is a nailed on starter. Like, so who, who are the potential players? There's Coimbra, Arman Wilson and Aiden, the goalie. They're they're the only three, I think. Oh, Thomas Geraldo as well. Yep. So So I think it's going to be a case of like the three outfield players just getting 30 minutes here or there. But the problem is we need to kind of average, I think, about 100 minutes per game now. So I like where where are Coimbra's minutes coming from now? Morelli's kind of properly back. He's going to be, I feel like, starting a centre forward for the foreseeable. So which is a shame because I think Coimbra has been brilliant when I've Excellent, seen him this yeah. season. Yeah, really good. So, I mean, it'd be nice if like you could get Coimbra getting a few 90 minutes in, get our man Wilson on for like the last 20 minutes of games. I feel like there must be a fitness issue with Geraldo at the moment yep. otherwise he probably would have started he's come more. off he's come off a couple of games early like um yeah yeah but it uh, might be it might just get to the position where hopefully we can string enough game wins together to like really solidify our place in the playoffs and then give start start the start the second goalie for a few yeah. games just to like pick up some numbers and they'll 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 do it they'll they'll get over the line like it looks a bit it looks a bit like ominous at the moment but They'll, I mean, Patrice is so detail orientated that I'm sure they've got some sort of plan in place to to get over the line. Yeah, I, I can just imagine him now, like with spreadsheets and pie charts and all that kind of stuff, just trying to work out how he's going to do it. Yeah. Um, this this one's from Carlos, and I think you've already uh, answered it. But um, are we still thinking that Morelli won't fit uh, in Patrice's system? I think you've actually <laughs> answered that. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <not>. <laughs> Uh, let me see here. Um, so this is from Halifax Wanderers fan from away. I think is the is the Twitter handle. Uh, now we have back, now we have the winning away monkey off our back. Where do you think realistically we can aim for at the end of the season? Um, maybe that needs to be answered at specific game on Monday, which is a massive game. So I guess where do you think our ceiling is this season of uh, where we're going to end up? I have the ceilings finishing first. That's that's genuinely a possibility. Like if we beat Pacific on Monday, then we're one point behind them. Like it's it's we, we like that. I feel like everyone in the top five right now has just as much chance as finish at finishing six as they do as finishing first. 
Like you just like our advantage is the fact that we've got seven home games and only four away games now. Yeah. So, I mean, we. Into I mean the the like if we if we like kind of like break this down realistically because I think like if you're if you're like an elite sportsman like you have all these little kind of signposted targets and I think probably the first target for us would have been have a better points total than last season I think last season's points total we could we could surpass it in the next game I think if we win or at least equal it if we win the next game so straight away like with with like ten nine ten games left we've already surpassed our season's points total. I was look and I was looking the other day at kind of what the average points were for the team that finished fourth. And I think to really to really solidify yourself in fourth place, you kind of need in the mid 40s, points in the mid 40s. And we are at I can't remember what we're at, but we're like I I, th- I think we still need to win like another four or five games to comfortably. Well, I, I would say we need to win like half of our games to comfortably finish in a playoff spot. And with so many of them games at home, you would expect us to probably do that. So why why not like why not put a ceiling at finishing first? I I, I, th- I honestly I don't think it's realistic. I still think like Pacific have got have like got enough to get them over the line, even though they have got a lot of away games coming up. Forge will always come good when they need to come good. They always kind of like with Forge, you always think at parts early on in a season, like, oh, they're not, they just don't look the same. They don't look as strong, but you can guarantee by the time you get to September, October, they'll put like seven, they'll win like five or six in about on the bounce and then play well in the playoffs. So they they always do Like every year there's a, there's a blip and then everybody kind of writes them off a little bit. And it's like, they feed off that and then just kind of make a comeback. Um, I, I think, I think we'll finish third. I, I think um, I just wonder what they're going to do with like obviously uh, Ashton uh, Morgan's uh, retired, which opens up probably a decent amount of cap space for them maybe. So yeah, I wonder who they're they're going to sign. Uh, probably knowing them guys, probably like Javinka or something like that, and they'll have him like mopping floors or something as a side job. So <laughs> um, so uh, next one's from uh, Denton. Uh, we played seven of our first nine games this season on the road. We've never got a bunch of home games awaiting us. We have a, a game in hand over York and Forge, and Pacific has got a lot of travel coming up. Was this year's schedule uh, worth it for us? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, especially because we always knew it would take a third of a season for Patrice's way of playing to really, to really be understood by the group. So yeah. the fact that now, once, now it is kind of, like it's not completely understood, but now they've got a pretty good grasp of it and we're playing some good stuff. Like that's that's a really exciting prospect to now be playing so many home games with a team that's playing very well and with a fan base that's very, very enthusiastic and positive about the team. Like that's just a nice mixture of things that that we wouldn't have had early on in the season. We'd have still been kind of like trying some stuff out workshopping some stuff and and I, i'm i'm glad we're gonna have some sunny days at the grounds where the supporters can see some really good football because let's face it we've we've been starved of that over the past four or five years haven't we so yeah good for everyone yeah um next one is from jonathan hunt uh i don't know why i put a th at the end of that jonathan hunt uh <laughs> hunt. um Curious to hear your thoughts on one soccer's commentary on the game and the league in general. Um, and somebody had a follow up to that saying, like, uh, 
that they find a lack of balance when it comes to Halifax. Um, and they think that only Ollie Platt seems to give a decent analysis of Halifax. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you think? I'm putting that one to you. Oh, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> I, I I definitely think that it's it's improving. It's definitely getting a lot better. Um, I I think having um like Adam Jenkins doing most most of the the games now. I think Adam's from the first season or the second season, whenever he started to where he is now, it's like night and day. He's doing a fantastic job. So, um, I actually enjoy his commentary. Um, I think he's pretty balanced and he, he gives like good opinions. Um, I, I think was it Jordan who was on the, the call with him for the Halifax game. He's played for York for three years or something like that. He's obviously going to be biased towards York a little bit. And I think he, Gave it as much of a balanced view on stuff as he could, but you know, sometimes you just can't help yourself. So, yeah, I I definitely think it's it's like everything with the league. It's getting it's getting better. Um, I kind of like the fact that uh, Garrett Wheeler is not calling games anymore, and it's kind of like the studio, like kind of analyst or head analyst back in the studio. I think that definitely suits his skill set a lot better than him just being like a soundbite a soundbite guy on commentary. So I think that's definitely been a very positive move, I think, for them that they've kind of um moved him away. Like that the English guy, I can never remember his name. Um the one um, who Yeah the very 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 he's got a really nice English accent. <laughs> he really he, reminds me did you did you ever watch rest WWF in like the late eighties, early nineties at all? A little there bit. Was, there was a guy called Lord Alfred Hayes who who was like this very pompous British guy and he reminds me of him like <laughs> not the pompous part that's harsh but like there's a heck of a goal there from the boys <laughs> I, I I think he's been I think he's been really good uh some of the co-commentators probably still need to get up to speed a little bit but yeah I think overall like I I think the problem is that a lot of people um every fan will probably say the same thing that they think there's a bias against them uh because mm-hmm. The, the fact is like that they they lean on Forge an awful lot because Forge is a really successful team. And I think that's why they kind of they're the barometer, I think, for the rest of the league. So when they're when they bring Forge up a lot, I think it's just because of the fact is that they've been so successful. So it was more difficult for them to say great things about Halifax when we've made like one final and we've been shit the rest of the time. So <laughs> I th- I think it, that's the reason why. And I don't think that there's like forge fanboys or anything like that. I just think that it's uh it's just there's a barometer and that's where it is right now. Um obviously as well, like I think that a lot of their coverage or a lot of them are Ontario based. So obviously it's a little bit easier for them to know a little bit more about the Ontario team. So yeah, but I think overall it's definitely getting better. And just uh, so somebody had somebody had brought up to me, um, just speaking of uh, one soccer and Garrett Wheeler, that this time last year, uh, Garrett Wheeler came out and said that um, Ottawa were the uh, the most boring team in the league. I mean, you eviscerated them on the podcast. They call him a fucking wanker, and and then last week I was thinking <laughs> well, about that all the time. Exactly. Yeah, that, I, think, I, think, I, I even tried to like caveat myself last week because I knew someone would say that by, by like saying they're not always like. This, but in this one game, they were fucking dull. <laughs> oh god! I mean, it's nice that someone can like remember something. No, I know. A year I know. ago to bring up against us. <laughs> to be honest, well, but I, but I think I, I think 
the difference. I'm not trying to like defend us, but I think like last year, obviously Ottawa had come off a bad season and then they were kind of like towards the top. And a lot of people like Garrett Wheeler was making the point that they're really boring to watch, but they're effective. And I think we mm. were kind of saying, well, well, they have to do something like to turn around where they were. So I think that I'm obviously like just trying to dig a hole to get us out of here. But yeah, <laughs> but I, 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 I also, it was, it's more his delivery though. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think the content is necessarily wrong, but it's just the delivery with yeah. him always grated on me a little bit, but yeah, I'm sure, that... I'm sure our delivery. He, well, he, does, I, that's true. But he does like, and uh, I, as I mentioned there, like he's, very uh he's very into sound bites and like mm. you know the okanda oh baby thing and all that kind of stuff so he, i think he likes to be controversial for the sake of being controversial just to kind of garner clicks and all that kind of stuff and i don't think he actually needs to i think a lot of the stuff he does actually say is pretty pretty good it's just that sometimes he just goes over the top um where else we got going on here and blah 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 just I know that Halifax Dave had a couple, but um, let me see here. Here we go. Uh, best front four right now. Uh, Joe Farron, Daniels, Watson. What are you seeing as our um, our our best top four? Um, yeah, I think I think I'd probably say that. Like, assuming Joao actually like has ninety minutes in his legs, or at least seventy five minutes in his legs. It's hard to. I mean. I think it's definitely I think it's definitely Daniels on the right because he has quite a specialized role and I I think other players could do it but I think he does it really well. Um Ferrin on the left I love like really keeps the width well. What what the commentator said I think with him is is right though like he does he he can be a little bit predictable because he does tend to like to bring it inside when he gets the ball. Like if there's one thing I would add to his game is for him to also be able to kind of beat a player on the exterior instead of always cutting inside as, as good as he is at doing that. And he scored a brilliant goal from doing that, two brilliant goals from doing that. So you don't want him to lose that, but just that bit of jeopardy for, for the opposition to know he can go around the outside of them as well. Um, so yes, yeah, certainly them two as the wingers. Watson as the 10, again, the way we press, like we press with a four four two, and the striker plus the 10 press. Uh, I don't think there's a better player in the squad than Watson at being that 10 who presses. He's really he's a really selfless player. He likes to like pull out wide to create space. I still think he could be he could look after the ball a little bit better, but he's improved a lot in that sense. So yeah, I, I'd have him as the ten and Joao or Coimbra. I'm a, I'm a big Coimbra fan, so like I I'll always kind of advocate for him to play. But yeah, one of those two as the striker. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much the same. I, I think uh, we'll probably see Joao doing. Um, uh, not cameos, but probably like twenty-five minute games and stuff like that. I think maybe they didn't probably want to pay him as much as they did uh, against Europe. Was kind of a case that happened to. Um, but yeah, I think uh, once he's kind of gels back into everything, he will probably be the main guy, and then we'll see probably switching out. But then again, obviously we need the under twenty-one minutes, so uh, mm-hmm. who knows? Like uh, he, we might, he might end up then being. A switch out for Aiden Daniels maybe at some stage. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I think the under twenty one thing like and, and it, it kind of I this like the way that we're talking about it is not the spirit of what it was created because it just seems like mm. it's a hurdle for us to get over. Um, whereas like it was supposed to be something to make sure that younger guys are getting a game, and I think that's not 
the way this has been seen. I, I think it just seems to be like a bit of a hurdle. Uh, so I think that they might have to do something just to kind of change it around a little bit because it, it just doesn't feel right, to be honest. That we're here like going like, well, you know, Coimbra has to play because he's like, he shouldn't have to play. He should be playing because he's good enough to play. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And just... I feel like as well, the age is, um, that, that sort of under 21 age is significant in Europe because players come through clubs, academies, and they're kind of ready to go by like 18 if they're exceptional. But I think in Canada, we get a lot of players who, I don't know why I say it like that, Canada. In Canada, we have a lot of players who come from university. So if they've come from university, they're not landing in the league until they're 22, 23 sometimes. Yeah. So like, it's almost like those are the support, those are the sort of players we should be like encouraging minutes for. But they don't count towards the under twenty one minutes, so yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It's kind of a bit forced now, isn't it? So because yeah. you're we'll right, though, we'll you're right there. I mean, like you've got like you know, like uh, Russian has like he has to go back, to, like go back to school, kind of thing, right? So that's kind of taken away. Though, like if he's if he's staying yeah, on, and that's but... the thing, like and that's the thing, like so is he like taking time off school to stay here? Like it just it just asks so many questions. Any anyway. Um, so yeah, um, that's I think that's the end of our questions. Uh, thanks to everybody for helping Thank me you. and Gary not have to do any work again. We really appreciate it. Um, I did want to just uh, mention something that um we kind of talked about the Neil Henry running with the uh the Halifax flag and I think was a Coimbra normally does that with the the Halifax yeah. City flag. So somebody had reached out to me and told me that the the flag actually came from Councilwoman uh, Iona Stoddard. So, uh, yeah, I think that's really cool that we have somebody on the council getting in behind the Wanderers and, and helping out with flags and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty awesome that they... It's uh, amazing, yeah. They did that, yeah. Um, so uh, you've, had, you're... you've had a lot of people, like, picking you up on stuff over the past couple of weeks, haven't you? I know, I know, I know. Are people actually listening? I think they might be now, yeah. Wow, wow. Um, so uh, your Molson man of the match, Gar, who is it? I'm, I'm going to give it Mo Omar. Because I thought he was, he he did like a really he had a lot of thankless duties off the ball. I thought he was tidy on the ball. Um, so yeah, Mo for me. How about you? I am gonna give it to. Uh, I've given it to Zach Fernandez quite a lot. Um, yeah, he's your, I, I I like I I avoid giving it to Lorenzo now, even though yeah, I always think it's Lorenzo. I I think it was a fantastic goal. He had a really good game. Lorenzo got in the team of the week again, like and Mo Omar had a really good game too. But I'm actually going to give it to Jan Filion because I think that that poor man, uh, for some reason, that boy his flowers. Yeah, so somebody somebody in the league does not like him for some reason. <laughs> I I feel like he might have dated somebody's daughter back in the day and like, didn't call or something because he would be lucky to have him as a son-in-law. <laughs> He's a good man. <laughs> Like for love or money, can he get into that team in a week, man? It's uh, it's it's kind of scandalous at this stage. He's had two clean sheets on the trot. Um, he pulled off a couple of really good saves in this game, and I, I think uh, a thing that we kind of overlook a little bit, like he's a really good uh release valve for the team. That like he's he is decent with his feet. So if a player is in trouble, like they feel secure in a lot of like in the ball back to him that like he's mm-hmm. not gonna he's not gonna fuck it up. Um, so I I think. Yeah, um, that's just me, um, just being nice and you know. No, he deserves that. He deserves yeah. it. He's, he's like he. I genuinely think he's added years onto all of our lives because 
I no longer feel stressed every time the ball is anywhere near the six yard box on a corner or whatever. Like he's he's added years to my life and I can only thank him for that. Yeah. Uh, and, so and yeah, ask so... him to please please take back the restraining order. I I, <laughs> I want to be near him in Walmart again. <laughs> so uh, super Jan, uh, we, we here at down the pub podcast and in the whole city of Halifax, we really appreciate everything you do for if if league doesn't appreciate it, we certainly do. So um, absolutely. On, yeah. on that happy note, uh, we shall leave it there and. I'll, our next game's on Monday, which is going to be an odd one. Um, so, yeah. so, are you going? Um, I think so. I'm not sure. It depends on a few things, but hopefully, yeah. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to try and break our our thing because I, I actually want to go to this one. So, yeah, I mean, there's a yeah. chance I won't be there. I'll, yeah, I'll know more in the next couple of days. Okay. So. Let me know. All right, mate. All right buddy. Get out! Out to fuck!